Welcome to Beside the Burn for Friday the 20th of October. It is our daily podcast whenever we uh, turn to God's word together and we seek some comfort and we seek some solace in God's word that he might encourage us and build us up. It's Friday and therefore it is our Friday book club and in our book club we have been looking together at Gentle and Lowly by Dean Ortland. Now, as I've said numerous times, even if you don't have the book, I still think there's plenty in this to encourage you and to help you because we're going to be looking at two chapters from the book, chapter 10 and 11 today, and we're going to be looking at the verse that each chapter is based on. And hopefully that will give you uh, enough to go away and to think about these things. The format of the book is quite simple. Dean Ortland is looking at Christ's heart. He's trying to describe for us how Jesus loves us and why he loves us. And he takes a verse of the Bible in each chapter, holds it up as if it were a diamond to the light, and allows the light of God's word to shine through that verse to illuminate our hearts and to tell us what Jesus is like. So, Today he is thinking about the beauty of the heart of Christ and in Matthew 10 verse 37 he, uh, we read anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Dean takes this chapter and he tells us about Jonathan Edwards who was I suppose one of the greatest American theologians and in 1740 Jonathan Edwards prepares a talk that he's going to give to the children of his church and it may be difficult for us to understand the circumstances but Jonathan Edwards takes this verse as his text to speak to the children. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, it is vital for us to understand in what Jonathan Edwards is saying and what this verse is saying. He was not telling the children to disown their parents. He was not saying to the children, you shouldn't love your mother and father. But he was explaining to them that the greatest love you know is towards your mother and father. But you must love Jesus more than that because Jesus' heart is turned to you and there is no love in this world so great or so wonderful than that which is in the heart of Jesus Christ. Your parents love you as much as they can, but Jesus loves you even more. And therefore, we should be drawn to Jesus by the beauty of his heart, by the amount that he loves us. We perhaps don't always think of beauty. Perhaps we consider truth more whenever it comes to God's word. But our desire for truth is to, I suppose, preserve the beauty of Christ's heart. So whenever we're claiming that something is true and we're fighting for truth in the Bible, it should be out of a love for Christ and a desire that others would come to know his love. What we find so often with people is that whenever the Bible's teaching doesn't fit them right, 
whenever they feel as if things in this world have been unfair towards them, that's a time to turn away from God and to turn away from Christ. That whatever the circumstances in their life or in their relationships or in society have changed, they feel as though the Bible no longer applies to them. The Bible is no longer relevant and so they turn away. But what Dan Ortland is trying to get across to us here is the love that Jesus has for us. Greater than the love that a mother and father has for us. And our love for Christ should be greater than a love that we have for a mother and father, a love that we have for a friend, a love that we have for anyone else. And therefore, it comes first. And that means that if there's something in the Bible that doesn't sit well with us or we feel as though it shouldn't apply to us, our love for Christ should draw us to Christ and to investigate why this isn't the way that we expect it to be and why Christ is saying this. And therefore, the love that we have for Christ becomes most important. Then in, verse 11, or in chapter 11, we move on to another verse, John eleven thirty three, And here... Dean Ortland deals with, I suppose, a, a heresy that, that can be far too common among us. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The context here is the death of Lazarus, Jesus' friend. Jesus has come along and he has been late in coming to Lazarus. Lazarus has died and is buried and Jesus is deeply moved in spirit and troubled whenever he sees all that is taking place. And Dean Ortland makes the point here that Jesus is still human today. We know that he was in heaven with his father, that he became incarnate and took on human Form became fully human and remained fully divine when he came to this earth. But now Jesus is back in heaven, but he still remains fully human as well as being fully divine. Now, you may say, well, that's nitpicking, that's trying to, um, you know, draw out theology that doesn't make any difference to us. But it does make a huge difference to us. Sometimes we consider that when Jesus went back to heaven, he became a spirit again, and therefore he has no more humanity left in him. But that is not the case. He is still fully human today at the Father's side. He became a man and he will always be a man. He clothed himself in humanity and he will never unclothe himself. And that's why the ascension is so important, because whenever he rose from the dead at resurrection, he had his resurrection body. When he ascended into heaven, he ascended physically into heaven with his body. And of course, he has always been and always will be divine. But the way that we see Jesus act in the Gospels as fully human 
is therefore the way that he still acts today. So if, if you see Jesus doing something in the Gospels, that's still his same attitude today. It's not that he has shed that human nature and therefore reacts and deals with people in a different way today. It's still the same. So therefore, whenever we see Jesus with compassion, and here he is deeply moved in spirit and he is troubled, how much more is he reacting the same way today? Jesus feels these emotions deeper than we do because he is truly human and he is a perfect human. Dean Ortland gives an illustration of a time that he was in India, but we can think of it in terms that will apply to us as well. Imagine we're walking through a city and we see a homeless person on the footpath. Whenever we see that person gathered up in their sleeping bag with all their worldly possessions gathered around them and a little bowl in front of them asking for money, we feel compassion. We may even offer them some money or some food, but then we move on and we go about the rest of our day. We are fallen humans and sin causes us at times to overreact. We fly off the handle, we get angry at circumstances, but then at other times sin causes us to underreact and we don't continue that compassion for the homeless person. But imagine then how the perfect human reacts, the compassion, the deep, deep concern, the person who is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That's how Jesus reacts to a need. He doesn't just brush it aside and walk on. As we read in John 11, he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled and then realise that Jesus is still the same today because he is still clothed in his humanity as well as being clothed in his divinity. So Jesus' emotions are the same today and he cares for those who experience injustice. He, ex he cares for those who are downtrodden and persecuted. He cares for those who are disadvantaged. He is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And therefore, Jesus cares about you and about me. He cares when things don't go the way we expect them to go. He cares when somebody says something hurtful to us. He cares whenever we experience injustice. He cares whenever the, the, the legs are taken out from below us and we can hardly continue. He cares. He is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. It means whenever he looks at the world, he cares. He is compassionate. He cares about injustices in the world today. When people are persecuted, when people are struggling, when people do not have what they need. And Jesus' love for us is not just a superficial love or a love that he just in passing sees us. 
this verse in John. Take it, underline it, mark it in your Bibles to remind yourself that he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And that is how much he loves us. Let's bow before him in prayer. Lord Jesus, the more we think about the love you have for us, the more we are overwhelmed that you would care so much for us. And Lord, maybe something that we don't think about very often, that you are still fully human today and still react with this deeply moved spirit and you are still troubled by injustices in this world. And Lord, we can hardly understand that. We can hardly thank you and praise you enough for that. So Lord God, help us to understand your motivation that drives you to love those who are lost. Lord, help us as well to have that same compassion that we don't just walk on by and forget but that we too would have hearts that are deeply moved in spirit and troubled by what we see in the world around us. For Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen.